Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Beer and Bayonets. Of course, I am your host, Mo. Man, it's good to be back. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who has reached out. Because let me tell you, the amount of support and outpouring of love that I have received recently, people just hit me up like, hey, is everything okay? What's going on? When's the next episode? We haven't heard from you in a while. I, I just, I'm always humbled and touched by how much you guys care and how much you listen to this show. So thank you so much. Now, the fact of the matter is, I recently experienced some health-related issues uh, that kind of forced me to take a step back and take a little bit easy. But hey, everything works out for a reason, right? Because it's the reason I wrote this episode. So bottom line is, uh, I had some health-related, some heart-related problems uh, that were equated to stress. Right, that's essentially what the docs told me. Is it was attributed to stress. Now, there's one thing all of us have in common is we have all experienced stress at some point of our life, regardless of what you do, regardless of how old you are. Everyone has experienced some kind of level of stress in their life, and for most of us, we've been told that stress is bad for you. It causes health problems. It causes heart problems. It causes hypertension, so forth and so on, right? We've all been told this over and over and over and over. You know, I shouldn't be having heart problems at 37 years old, right? But, hey, I have a very stressful job, and, I, you know, at some point, it got to me. But what if I told you that stress isn't bad for you? What if I told you, not only is it not bad for you, it can actually be good for you? So check it out. I'm not talking about the different types of stress, right? So there's typically stress is broken down into two categories, commonly referred to as positive stress or eustress and negative stress or distress. I'm talking about the stuff that everyone thinks about that what makes you nervous before a math test or you get really anxious before giving a briefing or hosting a meeting or whatever the case may be, right? Any stressful situation that causes your body to produce a physiological reaction, that's what I'm talking about, right? Your increased heart rate, so forth and so on. But what if I told you it's not bad for you? Now, follow me on this. So, Dr. McGinnigal, she's a notice, she's a psychologist. She talked about a stress study that was conducted uh, in America. Essentially, they took 30,000 people and they interviewed them over the span of eight years. They asked them, how much stress have you experienced? And do you believe that stress is harmful? That was the, that was the question. That was a hypothesis, if you will. And then... After eight years, they tracked the death records to see what had happened. Yeah, I know. But just follow me on this. After eight years and studying these 30,000 people, the results were that those that believed that stress was harmful had a 43% increased risk of dying earlier. Now, the opposite was true for those who ignored it 
or believe that stress isn't a problem. I think about that for a second. These were average, pretty healthy, average, normal American people. 30,000 of them. Those that believed that stress is bad for you, as most of us do, had a 43% increased risk of dying due to heart-related complications. Now, last year alone, over 182,000 Americans died from the belief that stress is bad for you. This makes the belief that stress is bad for you the 15th leading cause of death in America. Now, for those of you keeping track, that's higher than HIV, cancer, and homicide. I want you to think about that for a second. The thought, the belief that stress is dangerous, is bad for you, is actually more dangerous than someone statistically kicking down your door in the middle of the night and trying to kill you. Now, if you're curious, the, the study, uh, one of the stressors that was conducted for these people, right, because they had to be in a stressful situation, the stressor that was conducted was a five-minute speech on their weaknesses. They had to give a five-minute speech to a panel of judges under some bright lights uh, and in front of a camera. Now, while they were giving this speech, the panel was trained to give discouraging feedback. So, like, they'd have their arms crossed, shaking their heads, giving, like, nonverbal cues that they did not approve for five minutes. That killed a lot of people, right? And I know some dudes are like, oh, man, I'm good to go. I have no problem with that. I'm, I'm good. I, I talk, talk for a living. I talk to people for a living. I'm a public speaker. I'm the best dude in the world. Yeah, well, unfortunately, statistically speaking, glossophobia, which is the fear of public speaking, by the way, is the number one fear, period. Glossophobia is actually feared more than death. Think about that for a second. That means that the person giving a eulogy at a funeral is more nervous than the person laying in the box. Kind of crazy. So after they were giving this five-minute speech uh, in front of this panel that was giving you know, disapproving feedback, whatever, they were given a math test. An instructor gave them a math test and then provided negative feedback as they went. So the math test was essentially they had to count back from 997,000, and the, while the instructor is staring at them, providing like discouraging feedback, shaking his head, like, no, 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 no. That was it. That was the entire stressor. But the belief of all this distress that these people went under literally caused a 43% increased risk of, of death. Now, that's the bad news. Good news is, what if instead of viewing stress as a negative effect on the body, as something that you're, you're at a weakness or you're at a disadvantage. You viewed them as your body's preparation 
to meet a challenge, right? Because what are the symptoms of stress, of fight or flight? Increased heart rate, increased breathing, right? You start breathing more, your heart starts pumping faster, you might get a little sweaty, you might start uh, focusing, like hyper-focused, right? These are all the common symptoms, right? But what if instead of viewing them as, oh my God, I'm so nervous, I'm so nervous, I'm going to mess this up, you viewed it as what it is. Just millions of years of evolution passed down through the generations from when your hunter-gatherer ancestors had to fight off animals, right? What if you just viewed it as evolutionary tools to make you prepared for the challenge that you're about to face, right? What if you viewed that increased heart rate as your body preparing you for action? What if you viewed that increased breathing rate as fuel for more uh, more fuel for oxygen into your bloodstream, pumping more oxygen into your muscles, right? Because if you believe that your body is ready, your body will believe you, right? Stress has been demonized for decades, but it actually makes you social. I'll explain. Oxytocin is a hormone uh, in your pituitary gland. It's called the, the cuddle hormone. Uh, they call it this because it's the hormone released when someone hugs you. Now, everyone knows you you release adrenaline when you're in a stressful situation, right? Everyone knows your pituitary gland produces adrenaline to, to prepare you for whatever situation. What most people don't know is oxytocin is simultaneously released with this adrenaline. So... The difference is, is someone, it's making you social, right? This hormone is making you seek someone out to get, for example, a stressful experience off of your chest, right? It's it, That's why they call it the social hormone, right? It makes you want to link up with someone and share your experience with them. That's why therapy is beneficial. It's not magic, it's your brain requesting you to release this information to someone versus bottling it up. Because why? Because we know that's not good for you. That's why statistically women live longer than men. Sorry, fellas, but it is what it is. All right, because females typically are taught to communicate their emotions, whereas men, his, again, historically speaking, are taught to bottle them up and just deal with them and be tough. Right? Oxytocin. You're fighting the chemicals in your brain every time you do that. Just keep that in mind. Okay. Oxytocin is also a natural protector on the cardiovascular system. Oh, wait. Hold on. I just had some symptoms of something that looked a lot like a heart attack because of stress. A stress-induced heart reaction, if you will. But here, again, why? Because we're taught that stress causes heart problems but what's physically happening is oxytocin is being released at the exact same time as adrenaline which is a natural protector on the cardiovascular system it actually helps your heart cells regenerate and strengthen your heart after a stressful event so your body's already prepared releasing repair hormones to make your heart stronger after this stressful event. So it's preparing you for the event. You go through it and then immediately 
your body's going into work and repair mode like a NASCAR pit crew and putting your cells back together and making your heart stronger than it was before. So if anything, stress not only makes you more social, it it makes you stronger. Now, that is the chemical side. The psychological side is where we all reside. The belief that stress is productive versus being negative is the difference between a stress-induced heart attack at 50 or living until you're being 90 years old. Right? If you believe that stress is your body's way of prepping you for a challenge, it will too. Right? We've talked a lot about on this show how the body will follow what the mind does. Right? Dave Goggins talks about his 40% rule, how if you think your body has reached its breaking point, you really got 40 per- you're only 40% of the way there because your mind can keep going. Right? Your mind will quit 10 times out of 10 before your body does. Again, right? Power of the mindset. Now, the other thing about oxytocin is it doesn't just hit your heart. It acts on all parts of your body, right? Remember, we call it the social hormone, right? It helps you it helps you stay relaxed and be sympathetic to those around you who are stressed as well. The crazy thing is it will your body will actually produce more of this hormone if you reach out to others and help those in need. So essentially, if someone is stressed out around you and you reach out to them, you are actually making yourself healthier when you empathize with those in need. That actually re- releases more oxytocin, which we've already established is good for your heart. All right? So... What it boils down to is this. A compassionate heart is literally stronger than one who bottles up their emotions and tries to be a tough guy in in face of a challenge. So remember, when you're going through it, reach out. And if you help someone else, in turn, the life you save may be your own. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Love you. Beer and bayonets.